come to the reading of God's Word. The reading this morning is from is the 23rd Psalm. It's printed in your insert in your bulletin. Let's hear the word of the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, good morning. It is indeed a wonderful privilege for me to be back here at Grace Community. Uh, I'm always thankful for this congregation and for my friendship with you. Um, I am indeed a a new dad. We have almost a three-week-old, and God has been incredibly merciful to us. Um, We actually have been sleeping remarkably well, and so we're very thankful for that. So I come at least refreshed this morning, and I hope that you are refreshed by the Word of God, and especially as we come later on in the service to partake of the Lord's Supper. Hopefully all of these things this morning will be a wonderful benefit uh, to your soul and to your family this morning. If you do have a Bible, you can turn with me to Psalm 23. This is where we're going to land this morning. Before we consider um, Psalm 23 and we, and we pray, I had a, a very good friend of mine. Oh, yes. Obviously, children, if you do not want to stay in here and listen to an old preacher, you can go to a much better service somewhere else. Children, there you go. And adults, too, if you want to go and hang out with the kids. I thought we were about to have a charismatic service in the back. All these guys were waving and jumping around. Kind of getting excited here in the Grace community. Um, Psalm 23. But before we kind of work through this passage and, and pray before we consider the word, I had a good friend of mine who was uh, um, signed up to be a, a chaplain in the armed services. And uh, a year and a half ago, he was called up to leave to go and serve overseas and and he was leaving behind a wife and three kids, and, and we talked about two days before he was deployed, and he was telling me just kind of the heartache of, of leaving his family behind, and, and in particular, one of his sons, it was his middle son, who he was having a really tough time um, with, both the dad and the son. The son was really having a difficult time with the thought of his dad not being around for the next nine months, and and to kind of alleviate some of the fears and some of the concerns and, and try and put some rest in his son's heart, he said, look, here's what I'll do. When, when I leave from Jackson, I'm going to fly to New York. And from New York, I'm going to fly out to, to Germany. And when I get to Germany, I'll find some, some different trinkets or some things that are kind of well-known in Germany, and I'll kind of make a care package. And then when I get into Kyrgyzstan and I I get there and land, I'll find a few gifts and things, and I'll send those home to you just to let you know that I made it here okay. 
And, and without hesitation and without missing a beat, his, his, second, his middle son said, Dad, he goes, I don't, I don't want your gifts. I just want you. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of what Psalm 23 is really getting at. This is obviously one of the most, the, the well, most well-known psalm in all of the Psalter, and probably one of the most recognizable passages in, in all of Scripture next to you know, John 3.16. And David, when I begin to study this psalm, he begins and ends the psalm with the Lord. And it's not just the generic name for God. This is the personal name that God gave to Moses, Yahweh, Jehovah, which literally means I am that I am. The God who does not need wisdom because he has all wisdom. The God who does not need power because he has all power. The God who does not need love because he is all love. This is the God whom David begins and ends the psalm with. And what I want you to ask yourself as we kind of work our way through this psalm is one simple question. Is Jesus, as the good shepherd, enough? Could you say like my friend's son, Jesus, you're all that I could ever want or need. Because Jesus, as he is the fulfillment of Psalm 23, provides us with everything we could possibly need or want in this life. Because he gives us himself, himself to us. So let's pray and ask the Good Shepherd to open up our hearts and minds to find him most desirable this morning. Let's pray before we consider his word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning that we are in your house. As your people, we come uh, dependent and helpless and, and looking for you to satisfy our weary souls. And so we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come and to be fed by your word. For we know that your word is food. And it's food that we desperately need. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, that as we come to feast upon you this morning... We pray that we might find great fulfillment, that our souls might be satisfied, and that we might be full this morning, that our cups indeed would overflow for, we, for us having experienced your love and your kindness, your mercy and your forgiveness. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you might receive all power and all glory and all honor this morning as we consider you as the great shepherd of the sheep, and as we consider all the provisions that you provide for us as your weak and frail sheep, may you become more believable and more beautiful in our eyes this morning as we consider your word, for we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. It is, is no question that in the gospel of John, John connects Psalm 23 to the life of the Lord Jesus, where he says in John chapter 10 about Jesus, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. 
Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for my sheep. Psalm 23 is a picture of of God's steadfast love. of, Of how God's steadfast love kind of shows up in the life of His sheep. It is God's picture of how He begins to build up and nourish and strengthen the sheep. What this psalm shows us is that Jesus as our Good Shepherd really is enough in life. How? Because Jesus, one, is God. He is God in the flesh. He has all power, all wisdom, all love, and yet He is fully man. He is the true shepherd who is in the trenches with us. He's guiding us and protecting us and nourishing us because we are His sheep. He is enough because He is both God and man. And I want to look at one thing this morning. I want to look at how Jesus as the Good Shepherd really is enough. We literally have one point. But I'll throw you a little curveball. We have about five subpoints to go with that one, one point. And what I want you to begin to thinking about is when you think about Jesus as the Good Shepherd, when you begin to think about what you know to be true of Him in your own life and in your own experience, I want you to begin to ask yourself the question, is He enough? Does Jesus satisfy everything that my soul really craves and needs in this life? What does the Good Shepherd provide to where we can answer unequivocally, absolutely, yes, He is enough? First, what does the Good Shepherd provide? Well, verse 1 sets the tone for the entire psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Literally, I shall not lack anything, is what David says. David knows that when you belong to the Good Shepherd, you lack absolutely nothing in life. When the Good Shepherd owns you, He takes care of you, He provides for you, He is absolutely everything for you. You are precious to Him because He loves you. But if you are not like David and cannot say the Lord is is my shepherd, what it begins to do is it begins to expose how helpless and frail, and weak, and powerless we really are, and how we end up lacking absolutely everything if the Lord is not my shepherd. So how can we this morning confess like David that the Lord is my shepherd? And I think he gives us plenty of reasons as to why we could say the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And the first thing that we see is that the good shepherd provides us with rest. Notice what he says. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. It's interesting that the psalm begins with the idea of rest. That in Jesus Christ we have rest. Now so much of our lives are built around what we do. Built around our activities. So much of our lives are built around that we validate our existence on kind of what we do in this life. And we end up becoming absolutely exhausted, both physically and spiritually. And perhaps you're here this morning and you're exhausted because you have validated your purpose in life, perhaps through your job. Or for me, through parenthood. 
as a new dad. Or if you're a young person here this morning, through your grades and how well you perform in school or maybe even on the athletic field. Or perhaps you're here this morning and you're tired of the beauty regime. Tired of that regime of trying to get in a particular shape to mask all the insecurities that we face living in a culture that puts so much emphasis on the external. Or perhaps you're tired of saying yes to everyone because you're a people pleaser like me. And so you become exhausted trying to say yes to get maybe into that inner ring that you so desire to get into. Or perhaps you're exhausted spiritually, plagued with guilt because you base your acceptance with God on your own merit and on your own spiritual activity for what you do for God. And here the psalm begins with rest. Jesus, as the Good Shepherd, gives us rest because He lived for our righteousness. But He also died for our unrighteousness. On the cross, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And right before that, He says, It is finished. There is no need for us to add anything to the work of Christ. And if that is true, it means that we can truly be at rest. The Good Shepherd provides us with rest. This psalm reminds us that the Christian life always begins here. And this is how our catechism teaches us. What is faith? Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and what? We rest on Him and Him alone as He's freely offered to us in the gospel. So what would it look like for us this morning to rest in Jesus? What does it look like, practically speaking? Well, first, resting in Jesus means that you're free to fail. That may sound counterintuitive to our American psyche. But you're free to fail if you can rest in Jesus. Now, what I'm not saying is that you're free to sin. That's unbiblical. And that's contrary to what the Scriptures teach. But what it does mean is that if you've ever failed as a parent, and boy, am I beginning to already experience this right now. I've already looked at my three-week-old and said, I have failed you, and I have already screwed you up. (laughs) And I feel already the, the sense of failure because I'm a sinner. And yet, if I'm resting in Jesus, I can know that He still loves me when I fail my three-week-old. You can rest in Jesus even in your failures. Even when you let people down, your spouse, your kids. Even when you fail at your job. Even when you find yourself in a very morally compromising place. If you're resting in Jesus, you can still know that He loves you. But resting in Jesus also means you're free to say no. Your identity is not bound up in the network of people-pleasing. You can say no to your friends or even your boss when it's appropriate. You can come out from under the expectations that others have set for you and rest in Jesus who has met all those expectations already. Your identity is not bound up in what other people think of you. 
And you can rest and actually say no. You're free to say no when you can rest in Jesus. It also means resting in Jesus means you're free from fear. Freed from the fear of your past or fear from your future. You can rest securely knowing what Jesus has done for you. Not just covers your past. But it deals with your present situations and it deals also with your future circumstances. You can rest from the fear and the worry and the anxiety that often plagues us in our lives. The first thing that the Good Shepherd provides us with is rest. But the second thing he provides us with is restoration. Notice what the psalmist says in verse 3. He restores my soul. This is such a beautiful phrase because it gets at the idea of what Jesus is all about. He's all about the restoration of our lives. He's constantly restoring the carnage of what our sin leaves behind. He's constantly restoring the moments of our lives when we aren't resting on Jesus. I recently saw a story about a man who through kind of many years, began to suffer with seizures. So much so that the seizures got so bad that it beca- he, he became incapable of communicating uh, to his family and to his friends. And it got so bad to where he didn't even recognize those who he had grown up with, his, his wife, his kids. And it went on for years until one day a nurse came in and they'd tried all sorts of different treatments And they found out that one of his great joys in life before the seizures was music. And so this nurse got an iPod and put all of his kind of favorite musicians on this one little iPod. And it shows the remarkable restoration of this man when they put the headphones over his ears and they hit play. And all of a sudden, it was like he came out of this coma. And all of a sudden, he began to communicate with his family and friends again. But as soon as they would take the music off his ears, he would go back to his kind of paralyzed state. It was the music that began to restore his soul. And that is such a beautiful picture of what the Good Shepherd provides for us. When we are paralyzed in our sin and our fear and we do not know what to do, it is the voice of the Good Shepherd that brings restoration. It gives our sanity back. It is the voice and the words of the Good Shepherd, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word for restore here is connected to the idea of those who are possibly backslidden because of their sin and rebellion against God. So do you feel paralyzed this morning by your own sin? Do you look at the decisions that you have made this past week or this past month and wonder if God could ever restore you? If Jesus is the Good Shepherd, then the answer is yes. He can restore you. He will restore you. He provides us with rest and restoration, but He also provides us with righteousness. Notice what He says. Verse 3, He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. There's often this misconception in the Christian life that God is the great killjoy. That because he has certain you know, laws that we must follow, he is the one that is the great killjoy. 
But that is a wildly misunderstanding of the nature of who our God is. Because we are the ones who are actually the great killjoy. The reality is that God's law, His righteous ways reflect who He is. What this means is, is that God's ways, His righteous paths are always the best ways. Our God is so incredibly good that He always provides us with the very best path. He wants the best for us. He provides us with the right way. When we follow the paths of righteousness, the right way, it always leads to our flourishing, to our good. Because His paths always reflect who He is. His character. There's a TV show that I I watch called The Wire, and it's the story about kind of investigators, police detectives in kind of the greater Baltimore area. And there was an episode where one detective, you know, and these are, you know, sharp detectives. He's trying to move a desk from one room to another room. And as he gets into kind of the threshold of the doorway, the the desk gets stuck, and he, he can't actually nudge it through. And so he asks a colleague to come over and get on the other side. And so they're, they're both kind of pushing, trying to get this desk there, and it's not going anywhere. And so two more colleagues come. And so now you have two on one side and two on the other, and they are just giving it all their might. And the desk isn't going nowhere. And all of a sudden, the camera kind of pans out, and you see this old man in the corner, and he's just laughing. And he asks a very simple question to all four men who are trying to get this desk through the doorway. He says, which direction are you pushing? And they both just threw their arms up in the air and walked away because two guys on this side were pushing this way and the two guys on this side were pushing that way and the desk was going absolutely nowhere. It was a stalemate. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of sometimes the Christian life when we decide to go in our own direction. We put all of our might and going the way in which we want, and we end up going nowhere. And God comes and He says, I have a path of righteousness. That when you follow my ways, when you follow my law, it leads to flourishing. It leads you to the good pastures. When we get stuck pushing against the grain of our own sin, we go nowhere. When we follow His path, it always provides us with the best place. If you think that Jesus' path is defective or useless, then what you're actually saying is that Jesus is defective and useless. His path reflects His character. His law mirrors His character. Jesus, as the Good Shepherd, loves us too much not to give us the best path. He gives us rest and restoration. He gives us righteousness, but He also gives us a refuge. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. None of us are immune to walking through valleys. The Christian life is not always tranquil. It is far another story from the Joel Osteens and the Joyce Myers of this world who say that Jesus offers you the best life now. Because oftentimes, there are valleys. And it is like the shadow of death is looming over you. And perhaps you're here this morning and you are there. You're in that dark place. And you're wondering, where is the Good Shepherd? 
And David knew plenty of valleys. He knew plenty of, of, of death's dark shadow looming over him. And yet he can confidently write that when I'm in those valleys, the Good Shepherd is with me. Notice what he says. You are with me. Your rod and your staff are with me. And here's the question. At the center of each valley, though, there's always a problem. And that problem is fear. We don't have to learn fear. Have you ever noticed this? It just comes naturally to us. We fear dying. We fear disease. We fear living a meaningless life. We fear being left alone and unloved. We fear rejection or the loss of status, money, spouses, children, jobs. We fear being found out and exposed. We are afraid in this life, and that's something you don't have to teach your kids. It just kind of comes natural to us. So what does fear actually reveal in us? What is at the heart of fear? What do we learn? We begin to learn that fear teaches us or it reveals certain things that we're trusting in. Think about it. If you're trusting in a comfortable and easy life, you fear physical pain. If you're trusting in the need for approval, you fear being criticized. If you're trusting in love, you fear being rejected or forsaken. If you're trusting in your own beauty or attractiveness, you fear getting fat or wrinkles or losing your hair. Fear ultimately reveals what you're trusting in. And David, who knew all sorts of, went through all sorts of valleys, could identify with the one defense against all fear. And that is knowing that the Good Shepherd is with you in those valleys. That the Good Shepherd is with you with His rod and His staff. Or to put it as our catechism teaches us, Jesus, as the Good Shepherd, is our great King who subdues us to Himself by what? By ruling and defending and conquering all of our and His enemies. So think about it. Jesus, as the Good Shepherd, provides His children with a refuge for their fears. He provides Himself. Do you fear being rejected? Guess what? The Good Shepherd provides you with a refuge Himself. You do not have to fear being forsaken because He is always with you. Do you long for the approval of others? Do you fear being criticized that you might lose that status? Guess what? The King of the universe approves of you because of what He's done for you. Is your fear attached to your beauty and your attractiveness? The good shepherd says of his sheep that you are the apple of his eye. David knew what valleys looked like. But he also knew that with him was the good shepherd who would defend him and conquer all of his fears. He provides us with a refuge. Only in Jesus do you have a safe place, a person to alleviate all of our fears. He provides us with rest. He provides us with restoration. He provides us with righteousness. He provides us with a refuge. But lastly, the Good Shepherd provides us with a permanent residence. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell 
in the house of the Lord forever. Such a wonderful promise attached to the end of this psalm that we as God's people will dwell with Him and His house forever and ever. Back when I was in college, one of the more popular bands was Coldplay. Kind of a, a, a British uh, version, or I mean, they actually are British, but kind of a British version of, let's say, U2. You know, they were from Ireland. Um, but they had a very powerful song called The Scientist. And the song is, is about longing to go back to the start. And that refrain kind of repeats itself throughout the song. But if you've ever seen the video, it actually is more powerful because it's shot in reverse. And it's incredible because Chris Martin, the lead singer of Coldplay, begins at the end of the, of the song and everything is, is in reverse. And so he's constantly going back to the start. And what you find in the song is that the reason why he wants to go back to the start is because his wife and him were in a car accident. And she died. And so he's longing to go back before the pain, before the heartache, before the tragedy. And I thought, what a beautiful picture of what the gospel does. What a beautiful picture of what the good shepherd provides for his sheep. Because all of us long to go back to the start. And if you are trusting in Jesus this morning as the good shepherd, that's what's in store for all of us. Where God will take his people and we will go back to the start. We will go back to a time before the fall. We'll go back to Eden. Rather, we'll go back to a better Eden. Where we will walk with God and we will have a face to face with him. But there will be no more tears. There will be no more heartache. There will be no more sin. And the question is, is how is that possible? How is it that we can go back to the start? How is it that the Good Shepherd can take away all the pain, all the tears, all the heartache, take away all of the sin? How is it possible that he can provide a perfect residence for me? We're heading there because John tells us in the book of Revelation. They are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And He will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. And the question is, is how is that possible? It's possible because Psalm 23 is the good news about the shepherd who became a lamb. Think about it. The good shepherd became a lamb who left the green pastures of his father's house. A lamb who went through the ultimate valley of the shadow of death. A man who faced death terrified. It is about the good shepherd who became a lamb and did not have the comfort of his father's presence 
or his father's rod or his father's staff. It is about a lamb who was prepared as a slaughter in the presence of his enemies. It's about a lamb whose head was not covered with oil, but covered with blood. It is about a lamb who now sits in the center of the throne. It is about the lamb who John says is the one who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, as the good shepherd, became a lamb so that we might always know him as our good shepherd. Can you say this morning, worthy is the lamb who is slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and praise? Can you say this morning, Jesus, as the good shepherd, you are all that I could ever need or want? Because you provide me not just with rest, with restoration, with righteousness, with the refuge, with the residence. You provide me with yourself. Can you say this morning, Jesus, you are enough. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you this morning that you have given to us Jesus, the good shepherd of the sheep. And we thank you, Jesus, that you have not only provided us with all of these benefits, that you are our great provision yourself. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray as we come to think about your supper, the body and the blood of yourself, Would that be even more evidence that you are enough, that you alone satisfy our heart's desire? Would you make that true in all of our hearts? For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.